Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Population health is a big buzzword in healthcare today, but what exactly does it mean? I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. I recently talked about this with Andy Edeburn, consultant with Elder Dynamics, and Lindsay Sand, vice president of population health for Minnesota provider Knut Nelson. They told me why population health is an important topic and what home care has to do with it. It is conceptually a lot of different things and addressing chronic disease is one component of that. I would say population health overall is really about how we affect the health of a broader population around bigger issues. Chronic disease is obviously a big component of that. There are a lot of strategies around which people can do that. So informing individuals about making making better choices about nutrition and lifestyle choices, what we eat, what we drink, you know, what 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 sort of choices people make about whether or not they're going to smoke or exercise, those are all elements of population health. And a lot of our healthcare system in the country is designed not really around population health. It's it's really around population sick care. So it's about trying to create better awareness about health issues. It's about connecting people to resources or tools or education that can help them manage that health. And it's about healthcare providers and organizations creating systems and infrastructure to support that kind of thinking. So there's no question there's a big focus on chronic disease because it is one of those things in healthcare that is manageable. It is addressable as a proactive means of managing health as opposed to a reactive means of managing health. To what extent is population health driving health care and value-based care today? Well, it, it, it's really kind of a, it, it's the maypole around which a lot of healthcare is working to rally um, and has been for a long, long time. Um, I would say the passage of the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, at this point, about 12 years ago now at this point, was very much focused on starting to move our healthcare system from being very much what we call a fee-for-service or volume-driven model in the direction of being a value-based model. So rather than us just getting paid as healthcare providers for providing a service, our payment is tied in large part to our performance of that service. So it's really payments for quality. And overall, nationally, Um, Most of the major payer organizations are moving their alignment with provider organizations like hospitals and health systems and providers like Nelson in the direction of paying for that value. In fact, CMS has essentially said for Medicare populations, by 2030, they want every Medicare beneficiary in the country in some type of what we call a value-based arrangement. So that either means people in a Medicare Advantage plan that ideally is proactively helping manage that health and managing costs and quality associated to that. It could be people in a in a Medicare Accountable Care organization, some type of structure whereby the providers are held to some degree of accountability for outcomes, quality, and ideally improved cost savings ultimately in that space. So if you're a provider organization who takes Medicare payment in some form or another, whether it's Medicare Advantage or Garden Variety Medicare fee-for-service, there is a driving national imperative around moving to value-based thinking. Hmm. Okay. So that brings me to the next big question, which is what does home care have to do with this? Home care is essential in the big picture of how I think the future of healthcare needs to be delivered. We're looking at a industry in which resources are really tight and where care really needs to be delivered at the lowest um, cost 
um, level. And so home care is a great example of how we can drive that, but also um, how we can um, touch and work with the lives of individuals. Home care provides us with a really, really amazing example of how we can look at holistic care for people and help them to meet their goals. And so I think that those that are within the home care world really are a key component to organizations who are looking to partner in the value-based world and and will become even more important into the future. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, Lindsay, you have a lot of experience with this because your company, Knute Nelson, is actually undergoing a project at this very moment in which population health is at the center of it. Tell us about what you're doing with this particular project. Absolutely. Well, Knut Nelson is the continuum of care. So we are spread across West and Central Minnesota in 43 counties. And we really take pride in, in being the driver for senior care and care ingenuity within our communities. And so what we've looked at in terms of what we can do and how we can truly make an impact is starting to make steps in the direction of figuring out this value-based world and starting to take the lead and bring along our healthcare partners and our community-based partners. Uh, We've been really blessed that um, we've received a grant through the Leading Age Minnesota Foundation as well as the UCARE Foundation to help us create a program called Connected Communities. This um, program allows us to do a number of things. Number one, um, really start to develop and explore piloting opportunities with health plans so that we can demonstrate successful supplemental benefits, as well as really help us to kind of I say rally the troops within our rural communities and really establish that true safety net and how we can humble ourselves as organizations, lean on one another, and truly, I think, set the path for value-based care within our communities and define what it can look like. Give us an idea of the scale of this program, how many seniors or patients are involved, how many entities are involved. Um, We have eight partners in this program. So we are working with our local hospital and clinic systems, as well as um, several of our community-based organizations, two different health plans, and our local area agency on aging as well. In addition to then um, the various service offerings from Knut Nelson, what we're really looking to do is um, to get us a, a healthy participant amount. We're really aiming for 200 to 250 participants that we can help to deploy technology, implement informed social and clinical care management, work with resource navigation, really truly helping people to understand the various resources that are available within the community and help them make that connection. And again, just kind of exploring how we can impact hospitalizations, emergency room visits, primary care visits, how we can drive people towards advanced care directives, and and truly just becoming a more informed community. The other elements that we have with that are really working with our workforce and allowing our workforce and training our workforce to work to their top of their skill level. 
and to be an informed partner in the population health circle. Um, I think our frontline caregivers provide us with the best perspective on how we can deliver the best care possible for our clientele. And um, they are essential that their voice is a part of, of how care should be delivered and how we can impact our clients. Are the patients or residents involved, are they all homebound patients? They are not. So what we've aimed for with this project is really anyone within a five county region um, that we're targeting who is Medicare eligible. So regardless of income can participate in this program with us. Um, We actually are really looking towards kind of across the spectrum of income levels as well as needs. So our current client load of, of who we're caring for, some may be just needing some help with navigating the resources available to their community, whereas others have significant chronic conditions that um, maybe have been unaddressed or they don't know how to address them. And so we're able to walk them through that, deploy technology to help them to connect with healthcare partners and resources, help to reduce their, their isolation and, and make sure that they have the right resources in place to help them to remain within their homes. So how long has this been going on? What have you learned so far? Yeah, great question. So a lot of the front end work of this project, we spent a good year talking with our partners and really coming together to design out this model of what we really think will be impact for our area. We launched our strategy um, in June of this year and began to serve clients under this model. We are successfully serving about 25 active clientele at this time. And again, in a variety of capacities based on their level of need and how we feel that we can offer them the supports necessary to help them reach their goals. What have you taken away so far from the program? Has there been any aha moments, if you will? I think there's been a lot of aha moments, but um, one of the greatest ones is just the, the true importance of collaboration and the importance of everyone being at the table. I think that what we've realized and and we recognize the struggles in each of the industries that maybe sit around the table, but also the commonality in our goals in what we're trying to achieve. And oftentimes we're all working in the same direction. And so I think that's that's kind of the principle and the basis of value-based care is how do we organize around what we all want? And that is to drive wellness within our communities. And how do we do that? Well, we do that collaboratively. So there's a little bit of humbling, I think, of each of our programs and also some shared success and celebrations as we're able to truly impact the lives of these clients in a more holistic and simplified manner. So mm-hmm. I think it's been great to have every partner at the table, but also just even the health plans in their perspective as to how do we build this and, and what can we do in terms of funding? What can this look like for the future? And, and being, I think, really excited about the fact that we get to help dictate what that can look like. And the health plans are interested and in wanting to learn from us along the way. I think that those are all kind of big aha moments in addition to the, the success of helping and truly supporting people within our community. Mm-hmm. Andy, did you and your firm play a role in, in getting this off the ground and do, do you continue to help to coordinate it? And what are you taking away so far from this particular project? 
Well, I would tell you that I really joined Lindsay and the folks in Alexandria in this process midway through it. So Connected Communities was really an effort on the part of Lindsay and the folks in Alexandria and, and the greater Douglas County area to develop this model of care and everything. Where I got involved in this process, I would say more than anything else, is the questions that evolved in leadership at Knut Nelson to say, we're building this model of care into the community. Is this just it? Or... Can this be something bigger for us? Is this a springboard for us to move into that bigger direction? And that's kind of where I got invited to work with them and help through part of the thinking of that process. So how do we take this acorn, really, and grow it into the bigger oak tree? And that has created a lot of opportunity for dialogue with Lindsay and myself and other members of the Canute Nelson team and payers and other organizations in and around the service area to say, you know, how do we take the learnings from this and really leverage that into engaging directly with payer organizations or other managed care organizations? How do we move up that value stream to set up arrangements around supporting covered lives that a payer organization has that are in remote or rural parts of Minnesota that they don't have the infrastructure to really care manage or connect them to services in that environment. So it's really, how do we take this model and really extend it? And also, you know, to my point earlier about the nature of where the value-based arc is going, particularly for older populations in our country, but overall, is there an opportunity for Canute Nelson to leverage all of those services to provide a broader array, you know, serve a broader array of individuals in that space. I'd like the people listening to be able to really connect with this particular program. Can you give them an anecdote or some problem that you solved as, as a result of this program and might be something that they can take away and say, hmm, I'd like to replicate that or implement something like that where I am? Well, I, I think that the year's worth of work that we put in to really starting to have a dialogue around value-based uh, modeling within our area was, it wasn't always the most comfortable conversation to have, but it's proven to be a very worthwhile conversation to have. And so what I would say, and, and what I would encourage much along the lines of what Andy was saying before, is that now is the time to truly jump on these opportunities to start the dialogue or be a part of the dialogue, because um, this is going to, this is happening all around us. And whether we are participating in that conversation or it ends up being dictated to us, I think it's, it's really, really vital that we begin that dialogue. And if others in your community, your partnering organizations, your hospitals aren't starting that dialogue, don't hesitate to be the ones to do that. You can, as that senior advocate within your community, you can take the lead in truly pointing in the right direction. Even if you don't have the right questions or the right answers, there's support out there. And now's the time to jump on it and, and make some headway. Mm -hmm. I understand that there was um, something that you solved that had to do with um, telehealth and maybe getting... Yeah. tablets into the homes of people that didn't have them that has really paid off. Can you tell tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, great. So yeah, um, what we I think have learned as well as as we've rolled out this pilot, we anticipated that this would be something um, in our early discussions, but the the amazing resource 
that technology can play in ensuring that individuals' needs are being met, especially in rural communities. So we, um, we've we been able to, um, through partnership with, um, we utilize a system called Vital Care, deploy technology that allows clients to not only connect with our team members on our, our population health team, but also to their providers. So their, their local physicians, other community-based organizations, allow them to connect with family members, friends, to utilize it for educational purposes, really to engage them, really. So we can deliver fitness programming, education, training about nutrition or specific chronic disease management type needs, but also at the same time provide for socialization and connection um, with the valuable resources that we have available to help us kind of overcome some of those access hurdles that we've talked about as being a huge need and a huge issue within our rural communities. Andy, how likely is it that this type of program will be popping up uh, throughout the country, given the changes in healthcare and the evolution toward value-based care? Well, I mean, it's, I think it's really a question of market by market where you look at that. There are literally hundreds, if not close to thousands of programs that already exist like this that really are dominant in the urban space, I would say, across the country. So you look at the top 50 markets across the country and every single one of those, there's likely an organization or two or three who are leading thinking around this space when it comes to population health. To Lindsay's point, you know, if hospitals and health systems in your market aren't leading in this space, it's a it's a gap, it's an opportunity to step into. But in most markets around the country, there are hospitals, there are health systems, their payer organizations who are driving thinking around value-based care. They're figuring out how to leverage home health or home care ultimately into that space. So it's it's by market potentially a very, very crowded space ultimately for people to be into. Um, I, I think what will be interesting to see is, is really how potentially this evolves in the space of rural America. Because, you know, there's a large preponderance of America that lives in rural communities where rural providers have had to really knit together systems to connect with one another, and they haven't necessarily formalized them. They have polite working relationships. I think that's the opportunity space for a lot of people to look into. I think for other organizations, though, who are in those markets where that space already exists, it's folks competing for lives. It's understanding how you can be a better partner for those organizations who are already leading the charge, who are 10, 12, in some instances, 20 years down this road. This isn't new thinking. This is thinking that's been around for a long time. It's just now reaching an accretion point in our society where it's going to become the more dominant form of thinking with regard to healthcare. Mm-hmm. How is important is it for home cares, home care providers to think about population health really as a way to stay relevant? I think it's absolutely crucial to Lindsay's point about lowest cost site of care. I think probably one of the most profound things to come out of the COVID experience we've all survived through in the last two to three years is the voice of consumers and what consumers ultimately want. And so the movement towards providing care and more care in the home has always been there. I would say it has been you know, extrapolated 10 to 100 fold in a lot of cases as a result of COVID. So during COVID, the waiver opportunities that CMS granted to organizations to provide care in different sites, different forms of care, a lot of those things that are right now exceptions or waivers, there's a lot of conversation and discussion from a policy perspective about why aren't those 
permanent. Why won't those become permanent? There's a whole driving movement across the country to drive hospital care um, into the home environment. So hospital at home programs are starting to really grow across the country as well. Home care provider organizations understand the home. If you talk to nurses, and I've worked with nurses over the course of my entire career, there are big differences between hospital nursing and nursing home nursing and home home care or home health nursing. So understanding that space and knowing how to go into individual homes and engage with people in that space, understanding the market space, understanding where the care is delivered is of tremendous value and being able to differentiate or or really highlight that value as you are engaging with organizations can be of real value because a lot of the folks or payers or hospitals or health systems or other organizations who are compelled to move into that space now, they don't know it as well as they might like to or as well as they need to. And I think that's where the real value exists for home care organizations to be ample and very capable strategic partners if you can really differentiate yourself with that way with potential prospect partner organizations. Great. Lindsay, I'm going to give you the last word. Oh, awesome. Well, one of the things that I um, I don't ever get, I don't usually get that with Andy around the table. So um, I, I would say, um, again, now's the right time for home care providers to be thinking about how they can play in this world and beginning those conversations. Um, you know, the the kind of continuing evolution of the supplemental benefits that MedAdvantage plans are working towards and the possibilities for home care services to, to maybe be niched into that model. Um, and some of the other things around um, how we can truly utilize our team members to be in, informing that bigger picture of care. So um, home care providers, really, I mean, some of those are you know, our frontline team members who are going into people's homes and and often are the eyes and ears about what's going on with that person um, in terms of, of a weekly basis or whatnot can give us advanced knowledge, advanced perspective about how we might need to pivot. And so I think this is a great opportunity for home care providers to be thinking about how they can invest in their workforce to not only create some additional kind of um, retention benefits for an individual, but also to increase satisfaction and the ability for us to paint a bigger and more clear picture about what's going on in the daily lives of our clients and truly help to to drive care faster and to prevent any type of, of mishaps that might happen in the process. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay Sand and Andy Edaburn. Thank you. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.